If you're looking to buying a new home or selling your home, please go see Legacy Realty Group Remax Vantage and speak to Valdir Baptista Korea, real estate agent at 508-441-1628. His email is Realtor at gmail.com. His motto is your perfect home is out there. I can help you find it. That's Valdir Korea at 508 441 1628. You can buy a home or you can sell the one you have. But see this guy. Like he says, your perfect home is out there. I can help you find it. Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome to the Really Charlie Podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Perry, and today's guest is Michael Samayo from all parts of Massachusetts, but we're going to give him his own town of Cushionet, Massachusetts, and he also played for Fairhaven High School and uh, Holy Family High School, along with his collegiate days and, and, and actually, uh, well, which back then, was it called AAU, you know? You did a bunch, you know, before it wasn't. college. No, it no. wasn't. I, I, I was, I was, I was pre that. So I, you know, I'm a little bit before Mike Heron. I'm a little bit before Chris Heron, where everybody's riding around in cars and in vans. Yes, yes. Exactly. So it was interesting because as as the group got my group got older, and you didn't have to rely on one car. Everybody had a car, but you had to be careful because we were traveling, you know, pretty good distances to get around. But yeah, mm-hmm. it was. Um, it wasn't called anything. It oh, was, right. And it was, yeah, it was just one of those things where I didn't even know it existed. You know, until I got exposed to it with the buddies. And that goes back to, you know, when I'm in eighth grade and mm-hmm. I got, um, I got in. So my father um, ends up somehow getting Jim Tavares involved and Jim comes to scout me a couple of times that middle, that um, tournament that I mentioned in a couple of podcasts ago where I met Marlon Burns, Jim came to scout me because he didn't know anybody from a Kushnet. So just like what Jimmy Colbert said, who comes out of a Kushnet? Well, there yeah. were a couple of kids, right? So, mm-hmm. so there was Mike Verano that came out. Um, there was Joey Godreau that came out. All of those guys went to Holy Family. And um, so Jim comes to scout me um, and I end up sitting on, I ended up going to a tournament in Waltham, Massachusetts at the Waltham Boys Club, which was a pretty famous tournament at the time. And um, I'm sitting on the bench. I'm not going to get any playing time, but I'm just getting exposed to all of what's taking place. And um, it was blowing me away, the competition and what was going on, and that I had no idea that this even was happening. And um, so it was interesting because my the team that, that I'm on, the New Bedford Buddies, we go to the finals and we ended up losing in a really close game. But this sort of follows, I'm going to go back a second. When you had the, the podcast with Mickey Gonzalez and he had mentioned when he was a junior or senior in high school and he was going through tryouts for the Boston shootout team and he's going through tryouts and who's there. Ronnie Perry's there. Uh, Dewan Chandler was there. Jolie, Joe Bullier was there. 
So after that buddies game, I go into the locker room and the gym is a small gym. The locker room is even smaller. And I know there's a senior game coming on afterwards. So I'm hustling up to get changed. Charlie, do you know who's in the locker room with me changing? All these high school All-Americans. I was stunned. So I come running (laughs) out of the locker room and tell my father, I said, you're never going to guess who's playing. He goes, yeah, I know. I said, yeah, but they were three feet from me. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I I had, you know, I knew of Ronnie Perry um, just because of word of mouth. And I had watched him on Channel 2, you know, way back in the day when they would broadcast the Catholic tournament. And I would watch it. And I knew his name. I knew who he was. So my dad and I spent watching them play. Um, so it was, uh, as I said, it was Ronnie Perry, Juan Chandler, Joe Bullier, Craig Watts. You know, all these guys go on to play in college. Ronnie Perry's an All-American. Um, so it's just, it was that when Mickey mentioned that, it kind of brought back to me just my first exposure to these guys in real life. Um, because yeah. I had read about them. I had not really been around them much. Um so, you know, those buddies tournaments, um, so the next year um, after my season with Holy Family is when I start to play. Yeah. And my first exposure with that team and those players, again, going back to the podcast with Jimmy Colbert, when he mentioned somebody from Mo Rochester, the other guard that started with me was Jimmy Lanigan. And, you know, as I mentioned in that podcast, Jimmy was a really good athlete and he was a really good leader. And um, so we're playing our first round game is against the Talisman, which was another, you know, historical team out of Boston. And they've got Jimmy Sullivan from Dom Savio, who a year later would be the player of the year in Massachusetts. Um, Tommy Sullivan, who's playing at um, Don Bosco at the time. And Timmy O'Shea, who was at Don Bosco at the time also. So they're loaded. And so, you know, within the first two minutes of the game, Jimmy Lanigan steals the ball from Timmy O'Shea. And that really perked me up because I'm like, okay, he's not afraid. I'm not afraid anymore. <laughs> and we beat them that night. We beat Good. them that night. I played really, really well. I shot the lights out for me, which was I was just – they couldn't find me. You know, we had Mike Borden on our team who was from Somerset, who was a really good player, and they had, they had really focused on them. And I had – I could just kind of drift all night and get open shots. And I was making them from everywhere. <laughs> um, Good. So the next – so the next round, we played the Waltham Hawks, which was another tough team, you know, loaded with players. But it, we go to the finals, and we play Lee School, and they had Carl Hobbs on their team. And I mentioned Carl when um, David Leda was on with Jimmy. And that was another close game. College scouts everywhere, Charlie, in the stands for that game. This was a Saturday afternoon, and we ended up winning. Um, I ended up drawing an offensive foul on one of their players right at the end of the game with two seconds left. We were up one kid drives to the basket. I stepped in, took the charge and I'm laying on the ground and Jimmy landing comes over and picks me up and walks me to under the basket to where the, where, where there'd be some pads to, to protect us. And he, he's holding me. And the reason mm-hmm. why he's holding me, I look over the shoulder and the kid that I took the charge on is rolling around on the floor with the referee who made the call. So everybody's yep. coming out of the stands to break up this fight. And it was just, craziness um i had you know had never been exposed to that kind of thing but that was the level of competition and um you know my team's performance and my performance in that tournament leads me to get an invite to try out for the national youth games team that i mentioned when david Leto was on in the same place where mickey was going through the tryouts the first yeah. i think the first round of tryouts for the um the shootout at in roxbury 
um, at the Roxbury Boys Club. And um, this, is a, this is more of a culture story than it is a basketball story at this point. My dad and I come up a week later to try out at nine o'clock in the morning during the spring of 76, I think. Yeah. And um, Charlie, get out. I've never been to that part of that part of Boston. And Mm -hmm. we get out of the car and I'm looking at overhead train tracks 20 feet from homes. Yep. And I can't believe I'm seeing this. And my father walked right up to me and said, you don't know how lucky you are. Mm-hmm. And that stuck with me to today, obviously, because that was a pretty moving thing to see. You know, I had been to the old garden. I had seen the train tracks down on Causeway Street, you know, going by businesses and going by homes. I had never seen that. Um, yeah. And that was the that was where I was going every week during the tryouts. It was it was um, we ended up going to Connecticut in July. So there were tryouts every week and I was making it through every single round um, and the competition was getting better and better and better each week to see how everybody would respond. And um, it was a great experience getting exposed to those guys and playing with those guys. And they just were my competition um, all the way through high school. And I still have some relationships with those guys today. Um, and it was, you know, it was just quite eye-opening going through that and trying to express to my, my friends, my friends at Holy Family, that I'm telling them I'm going for tryouts. And they were like, what are you talking about? Because I didn't know about the National Youth Games, which was, you know, some uh, quasi-small Olympic format. Um, sort of like, the, sort of like, um, sort of like the Bay State Games of today? Yes. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Okay. And so, you know, we're, you know, we're hanging out together and I'm, you know, I'm sort of the outlier to living, coming from a real small suburb. Uh, most of these kids were Dorchester, Roxbury. Um, a couple of other kids were from outside of Boston, but we were a pretty tight group. We didn't, we didn't go anywhere without each other um, for that entire week. And we won the championship. We won the gold medal um, in a triple overtime game against a team from Virginia. Um, so it was, you know, again, I just had, yeah, that's those guys. Not a great picture, though. A lot of heads being caught off in that picture, but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's us. Um, um, that's 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 nice. It, uh... So those, so if you look at those those green jackets, so that was the. Um, so can you imagine it's July, it's in Connecticut, it's pretty hot. Those jackets and the pants were the warm-up suits that we wore. They were, Charlie. They were wool. <laughs> they were. Um, <laughs> they were. They were. They were pretty uncomfortable, but um, we all took great pride in. in um, you know, just kind of the achievement and um, all of us kind of moving forward. In this group, most of this group that's here, um, a few years later, the class of 79, which was which was um, well, class of 80, but the yeah. juniors that were identified, most of them are here. Most of them are guys that I that I knew and played with. Um, wow. That's so, awesome. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was just a great group to be around. And like I made reference with uh, with David, you know, when I would see Carl, when I would see those guys around, you know, it was like we hadn't missed a beat, you know, mm-hmm. because we put a lot of time in. And we were young kids. You know, we were freshmen, and some of us were sophomores, were young sophomores. But, um, yeah, it was really great to be part of that. And, again, it was just something I didn't know I didn't know existed. I didn't know really happened. And um, I remember my father saying, you know, we're going to go for a tryout. I was like, oh, okay. And we go, and I couldn't. I walk into the gym, and there's 500 kids. Yeah. <laughs> and so you played all morning. You know, you were given a number, and there were four of the guys you were going to play with, 
and you played till seven and you sort of that rotation where you'd stay on if you won, but you didn't stay on more than two games in a row and you'd come off. My team didn't lose. We played all morning. We just didn't lose. And it was, you know, just getting to know guys, you know, as I mentioned, coming out of Holy Family, I was getting to be a really good team player and I could handle, I could handle the ball pretty well at that point And I could do some things and the coaches noticed. I didn't do anything dramatic. I just played solid and, you know, made open shots, made the right pass. Um, and um, so, yeah, it was, but it was week to week. So I didn't know. And I think it was after week four or five, I knew I was getting there. Yeah. This was, um, this was a picture outside my house that stand, the standard times came to take a picture of. So they didn't use this picture, um, but that's the uniform. That, that was the white uniform. We had white and green um, to wear, but um, yeah. Still got that medal. I do. I have it in a case. I'll send you a picture of that. I have it somewhere. I have it in a case. And it's been in a case since the time I got it. So I still have that. Yes. It's uh, it's amazing how some of this stuff like that, um, you know, they they gone by the wayside. There's so many people that um, you know, get rid of those artifacts, you know, those those trophies and all that stuff, and uh, it's crazy. See, good evening from Coach Brenna Bulger. Ashley Green says hello. She is at work from the Triple Threat Basketball in New Bedford. Yeah, doing great things there, Mike. They were just on recently, which you were, you, yeah. you, yeah, was, you seen, yeah, yeah. Um, so now, as you go through that trial, and and you know, you you meet some people, you meet some some friends that uh, you know different part of, uh, you know, life as far as, you know, poor kids going through things. But the one thing that I like is that I don't care where you're from, man. Everyone, that love of basketball can bring, bring people together so so easily sometimes, you know. And um, that's why I always try to encourage kids to go and play sports and do it, you know, because, you know, you, you it it's always been good to me. But there's one thing about basketball. You can play that no matter what. If you were by yourself, if you had the ball, you just go find a hoop, you play. And with me, that's sometimes that's all I needed for the day, you know. Um, and uh, I'm pretty clear, I'm pretty sure that was the thing with you, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it, yeah, it sort of created this kind of refuge, you know, for me. Um, mm-hmm. I spent, I spent hours in my driveway just with the drills that I had and just shooting. Um, and, you know, that just was something that, you know, I knew that was interest of me and I had, you know, I had really high motivation at that time because I was seeing things that were happening for me personally that were really positive, but yeah, it was a refuge. I absolutely agree with that, that, that ball and that basket, it was just easy. And it was something that I look forward to, to do every day. Um, and that was, um, you know, much different than where my friends were as far as, you know, sort of attention span and interest and motivation, which yeah. was fine. And, yeah. You know, I would, I would have kids from the neighborhood all of a sudden show up in my driveway just to watch. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there was, there was a, there was a, a family up the street whose father played for Mr. Wilson, um, back in the sixties at Fairhaven. And, um, um, it, so, you know, his child had some learning disabilities and he would show up in my yard and just watch 
and yeah. I finally got him to actually actually hold the basketball for a little while. I taught him how to dribble a little bit. I could pick him up and try to help him get, get in the basket, but he would come by, then all of a sudden just like disappear. He'd just leave. But he'd show up <laughs> as soon as he, as soon as he heard my ball bouncing in my driveway, he would show mm-hmm. up. And yeah. um, my friends would come by for a little while and sit on the grass and watch me and just kind of we'd be talking while I was and I wouldn't stop. I would just continue doing what I was doing. And that, you know, my friends just knew that's what I was doing and that's what I was interested in. And so that was, was kind of it was kind of funny watching that. Uh, but my pa- <laughs> the upside to this, my parents always knew where I was. As long as yeah. I heard the ball dribbling in the driveway, they knew I, where I was. And and, you know, one of the funny stories with this is um I had a number of times when I was playing late at night where the cushion of cops would show up because some neighbor complained about mm-hmm. all my all the noise. And it yep. wasn't music. It wasn't friends. It wasn't a party. It was me in my driveway until 9, 10 o'clock at night during the summer just practicing. And yep. um, I knew who the neighbor was, and it got to be kind of comical that it was taking place. And I, got, and I, knew, <laughs> I knew some of the policemen just from my time when I would go over to Polk Park and play. I was playing with the chief of police son. Who was going mm-hmm. to who had played for Mr. Wilson at one point? Um, so I knew all those guys, and it was no big deal, but it was just funny that the police showed up and they kind of walk up the driveway. And my dad got to know them a little bit and they'd hang around and you know and say, Okay, you know, you should probably you know start shutting this down around 10 o'clock at night. And I was like, Okay, fine, and I do that, but it was it was pretty funny, yeah. It's uh, you know, I remember a few cases where uh, kind of same scenario and uh, people calling on us playing basketball. It was just amazing. You know, what do you, you'd rather us be on the corner acting up or we're here playing yeah. basketball, you know? And, uh, but anyways, the, uh, let's see. Um, now the years you were in Fairhaven, um, the tryout numbers, how big were they compared to now? You know, for some reason, I, I think that, you know, the numbers are far higher back then. Um, it was the thing to do, you know, sports. and uh, But as far as the numbers, you know, in the population of the school, were the numbers, you know, at that 30 range or was it far higher? I think it was far higher. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, because, you know, it was interesting. When I, when we had Ronnie on and Derek Andrews, um, I had a conversation with them. A night before and Ronnie asked me a pretty tough question he asked me he said you know he said when you came to Fairhaven did you catch any flack from any of the players because now you're going to be taking some minutes from them yeah and I said no I didn't but you know in retrospect when I think about it you know the group that was were seniors the class of 78 that goes to the state finals those guys didn't have to worry about me um but it was really if if I thought and I did think about this it was the group that was coming up next yeah because they, they had, Mr. Wilson's rule was if you were a senior, you weren't playing junior varsity. So you weren't going to make the team. And I know other schools had that same rule. Um, so it was really the other group that I was probably taking some minutes from that they weren't. And I looked at it at the time was, well, if you're not ready, that's not my fault. Yeah. I'm ready. So I'm here. I'm trying out. I'm going to try to get minutes and I'm going to try to help. But if the next group coming up wasn't ready, then I can't worry about that. But yeah. what ended up happening was the following season, when I become a junior, those guys that came up only had one year of varsity experience. And that was that year. 
So when th that class that graduated in 79, that's when they got really true varsity experience and they weren't ready because it is a, it, it is a big jump when you go from playing junior varsity and sitting some, and, and sitting some varsity minutes, when you start to play, that's a whole different thing. And they yeah. weren't ready. And there's nothing against them and nothing really personally to do with them. It's just the way the school was built. And as I mentioned in that podcast, that group that came forward, they came forward sort of in pieces because they weren't ready yet. And the first guy that came through was Jimmy Hennessy when he was a sophomore. Mm -hmm. Another group comes through when they're juniors and all of them come up when they're seniors. So, you know, when I joined that team, I'm coming off the bench. I'm the sixth or seventh man on that team because they're, you know, they're pretty much set in their roles and, um, you know, they, they, they knew who they are. They knew what they could do. But the group that was sitting there that would, were good JV players couldn't break through because yeah. they just weren't ready. And so the next year, you know, we had a pretty good season, but our captain got hurt. And as soon as that happened, all of a sudden our bench gets real short. Guys who are coming off the bench have to start and they're not ready for varsity basketball. And that hurt us. And well, yeah, so this is this is the group from 78. So this is the group that goes to the state finals um, and was, you know, just a, it was a really fun season in retrospect when you look at all of what took place. Um, who, who's, who's number 30? So that's Chucky Tillett. Man. He looks so, so familiar. Chucky, you know, the, I, my, in my opinion, the best athlete in our school. Um, a really, he gets a, a scholarship to Boston College to play football. Um, was really a good baseball player. Um, really good in track. Um, just a really good athlete. That's good. The um, now, as as you're going through all this, um, let's see. Now, I, I understand with Coach Nabriga and, and that situation, which pretty much led you to going to Fairhaven High School, if I'm correct, right? Yes. Okay. All right. So, um, Well, and, Charlie, that was not an easy decision to make. No, it, 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 there's no way. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, that's very difficult. So I get it, you know, and, um, but – I'm glad you chose the path you did because, you know, you, you kind of look at all the different things that, you know, was given to you through Fairhaven High School, New Bedford Buddies and so on and so forth. So, you know, it, it, it pans out. It works out. You know, the, the, the year there at, at Holy Family is, is what's beneficial. And, uh, you know, but, you know, I, I love his, I love the way life carries itself, you know. You, you you make decisions or family decisions to go wherever you're going. And if you didn't go that way, things would be different in your family, some shape or form, you know, no matter what, you know, even with the game of basketball. So, sure. you know, I'm glad it took that course and, and the result is what you have today. Um, so the, uh, I want to talk about, let me see. And this might be off the subject matter that we have on the bottom line, folks, but I, I, it was real interesting that Michael made put a post on Facebook about the football field at Fairhaven High School, the controversy behind that. 
And mm -hmm. um, I, I just, you know, I, I th to me personally, I like to see that a school is, is, is showing something, some interest, providing some financial, um, you know, financial, not stability, but they're, they're, they're committing finances to sports. And that's always something that I always like to see because the first thing they want to do is eliminate sports at some level, some shape or form. So I'm kind of glad that they dedicated to do that, you know, for the, for the team, for the school, for the community. Um, and, uh, you know, the one thing it's turf and they're worried about injuries and all that, you know, um, that's the stuff that I always hear, but it's always when I look at that field and I look at some others and I say, wow, that's a, that's the, the dream I had about Buttonwood Park in New Bedford. And I wanted to kind of utilize that, especially where, where the, where the New Bedford Bears play, you know, I wanted to put that type field right there. Um, so when I see things like that, that's going on in Fairhaven, um, I like it personally. I don't know how you feel about it, but I just want to give it a five star and, uh, I may be on the other side of the fence, you know, as far as, uh, you know, some people may be opposed to it, but I'm not. You know, it's funny because, you know, one of the things that occurs when I come out of a cushionet and not great facilities back then. Holy Family, not great facilities. And for Haven, you know, we're, as you, you heard from Derek Andrews, we're playing our varsity games at the junior high because we mm -hmm. don't have the facilities. And I always understood sort of, you know, sort of the sacrifice you make. And when you're going up against bigger schools, meanwhile, New Bedford High School has built that, you know, huge field house. We experience as players what Durfee did with a new field house, um, I played, I, when I was a junior, we played our first, their first game when they opened up that gym and I was, you know, great. This is fantastic. Mm -hmm. So I'm all for give the kids the opportunity, give them the right facilities, let them use that. I was very excited. One, when I, um, when they inducted my, when they inducted Mr. Wilson, I'm not inducted, but they named the basketball court, the new basketball court under his name. And mm -hmm. I hadn't seen the facility. And so when I went to that um, ceremony, I was just really, really happy. I, I was walking around with some of the guys that I played with, like, geez, why, how come we didn't have that here? Yeah. Because there is something about having a gym on the property of your school, right? There yeah. is something about that where you can walk through that. You can go to that. You know, you don't have to worry about getting into a car to go someplace to practice and play your game. It's right there. And this, I think there is something really to that. Um, very very comfortable. Very comfortable gym. I love going in. Yeah, so it's nice, and I, you know, so I, I wish that had occurred that we had that we had those kind of facilities because I understood the sacrifice and what you're trying to do in beating these bigger schools and what you have to do and overcome, and that's all fine. And that has a level of, you know, it has a level of theater to a certain extent, but that's yeah. okay. That's that's not great, but you know, um, I, you know, give every give every kid the advantage that they should have, right? So it shouldn't be a sacrifice that you have to play in with, with some facilities up against the bigger schools who have all the advantages, right? So yeah. let's try to even the playing field, give them the opportunity. You know, if there's money there to do all that, great. I'm all for that. Um, so, yeah, I, it's – so Haven's come a long way, right, with the new sure with the new buildings they have, the new gym, the new, the new, the new field. I think it's fantastic. That's good. 
that's good real good the um um i wanted to talk to you about um the uh nba and the uh vaccination how you feel about that you know i think um all in all i think that um the nba and the players union doing the right thing because uh i lost a lot of friends this year and last year and um it's 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 sad but i hope they stick with it um there's a, a few few guys you know uh maybe a dozen and a half that are kind of they're just just you know they they just don't want to do it and i i i can understand that i i got all kinds of feedback from people friends family that you know feel the same way um but when it comes to thousands of people that you're running into on a daily basis, you know, um, hundreds of people, uh, I think we have to be safe. And uh, they may feel that it's not safe. People are still getting COVID through the, uh, you know, even though they have the vaccination. But I, to me, it's it's something you got to, you know, you should do. It's my opinion. But um People just don't want to be forced to do it. And uh, I think when it comes to the NBA and, and people that are sitting there, you know, me, family, friends, whoever, you know, we need to make sure that we're safe when we're going into those arenas. People are cooking your food. I you know you're sitting on places that, you know, you didn't clean it, but, you know, someone else did. You kind of want to sanitize everything. But um, I just... We're going to miss some good players playing this year. Um, and uh, they kind of, you know, you like to see the best of the best on the court. And uh, it looks like we're going to have some stars sitting out for quite a few games, at least 40. Um, so how do you feel about that? I, I hope, I hope you know, I think the leadership through the, the players union has been pretty strong and pretty consistent on this. And I hope, you know, they the players that have some questions – who are hesitant over all of this, you know, hopefully they get the right information in front of them and they can start to make, I hope a qualified decision. Cause I, you know, I read some of what you you're talking about and it was sort of all over the place about the reasons why breakthrough cases are occurring. And, um, and that seems to be a default over, well, that's why I'm not going to get vaccinated because why would I bother? Because people are still getting sick and that's true, but the odds get reduced the, the infection that occurs is less. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so it, it, it has, it has a layer to it that just seems like it's not the right information getting to these players, getting to the organizations enough where they're following through with it and presenting whomever it needs to be in front of these organizations and players where they can kind of vet through all of these issues and let right. them hear the answers from the experts, whomever that may be. And, um, you know, let them hopefully give them the right information or enough information to make a qualified decision. Because based on what I read, I didn't think that that was the case. Yeah. It just it just seemed to be you know it just seemed to be sort of like a scatter map as far as the response and um and that was disappointing to see because I do think that the product with the people and the players that are that have this discussion will really hurt the NBA. Yeah. And um, it's not. Um, but what's also challenging is you have you have these issues that are not consistent throughout these different states, and that gets to be challenging too. 
And um, so the NBA has to kind of figure their way through that, along with, I think, every other, you know, professional league in college, your major colleges and division one, division two schools have to kind of find their way through this. And that gets to be challenging because it's just not a consistent platform. It's state by state, in some situations, county by county. And that gets to be hard. It gets to be hard for you and I trying to find your way in a daily life, never mind trying to play a sport at a high level. True. The, uh, you know, growing up, we, we, we didn't have those, we didn't have that problem. You know, there was nothing close to what COVID and the pandemic because we, we didn't have anything close to that, you know, pretty much didn't worry about anything, um, you know, other than just getting sick, you know, the, uh, and even so, that proximity when you're on a team, if yeah. someone got sick, the likelihood that more than one kid is going to get sick was pretty high. And, you I, know, you and I, if you've been on different teams, you experience that. And that's, that's always kind of tricky trying to get your way through that. If it's not on a team or if it's in a classroom, you know, you try to do the best you can. But inevitably, if one kid on a team got sick, there's going to be multiple kids getting sick. Not nearly the, the yeah. drama that exists and the, and the, 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 um, issues that are around COVID at this point. But yeah, I've been on a number of teams. So have you, where kids get sick, you get sick. And, yeah. you know, you kind of have to kind of get your throat, get yourselves through that. But that was just inherent to, because you're always in close proximity to each other. Exactly. The, uh, I mean, look, look how heated uh, they were at, with uh, Rudy Gobert. Um, Mitchell was, was real heated, you know, almost got to the point. I mean, we don't know if they fish fight it in the gym or anything, but you know, it was it was kind of crazy, you know. So this may lead to some of those situations where teammates are going at it, you know. And I, uh, I hope not, you know. Hope hopefully we have a one hundred percent vaccination and uh, we can move forward. And like you said, you know, said people may get sick after receiving the vaccination, but you know what? It's chances are that they, it's going to be a little bit easier than you know not having it. So the um, let's let's go back to uh, after. I want to go back to New Bedford Buddies. All right, um, mm -hmm. you know it, it maintained itself for quite a few years, um, and you know and and after you know Mister Tavares, you know he had to stop the program and. Did anyone from your team or other teams think about starting it up for any reason, you know, trying to get something similar to it in, in, in the area? I mean, I know there's AAU, but just the name tradition, you know, kind of, hey, I want to carry yeah, it on. Think, yeah, I'm sort of a little bit displaced from that because, you know, you sort of move on when you move on. Um, yeah. But no, I'm not aware of that. But I think part of what you, you know, what I experienced and what I learned as soon as money came into this, right, as soon as those sponsors came in and that's when the AAU starts to get developed, um, it gets to be pretty tricky how you maneuver through that because now you're talking about, you know, major corporations jumping in with this because they're trying to get these kids to go to certain schools that they have, you know, that they're sponsoring and that gets to be hard. And so the, the local situations with, um, with Jim sort of gets pushed aside because there are people there that already have some, you know, legacy um, relationships, and that gets to be really hard to do. And what you're going to try to figure that out. Um, it was much, it was much simpler when we were driving around in cars, mm -hmm. and you know, 
Jim has four basketballs and, and tank tops that he's given out and you're going to pay $3 or something, go play in the rec gym for, for the Sunday morning. <laughs> um, it was much simpler. Um, even though I would have jumped in if, you know, things, you know, kind of move yourself forward in time, I would have loved playing AAU. Yeah. I just, you know, I would have loved that level of competition and, and getting exposed to those, um, those players in those situations. Um, because I wouldn't know anything, right? I wouldn't have any reference point to what really took place, you know, when I was part of it. Um, but, you know, you know, both Herons would know how the evolution really started to change when they were there, especially Chris, I think, yeah. um, because that's when it really starts to change. And um, so I guess it was, it was difficult to try to move that forward if you didn't have the sponsorship because it just sort of wedged everybody out of the way. Um, so anything that was local, and it was another local team through New Bedford, that um, I think was it Ronnie Lomba that ended up pulling a, a team together for a little while. Um, mm. But that gets to be hard for him because that required a level of commitment to kind of move people around and go to these tournaments, which was hard to organize. Um, yeah. So, yeah. you know, Jim was the only guy in the area that was really doing anything. I knew, I knew the guys from the Roxbury Titans. I knew Al Brodsky. I knew some of the kids from Lee school. I knew Jack McMahon who just passed away in the last month or so from the talisman. And those wow. guys had been involved with it for years. You know, this is going back to when I, you know, before I'm not even playing basketball, you know, when I'm in grade school that these men are involved with that. And that's where Jim comes from. That was what Jim was sort of his origins of pulling all that together. Um, so, you know, those guys that, those guys in um, up in Boston somehow become immune to the AAU to a certain extent where those tournaments through the city leagues and the um, BNBL sort of um, mm -hmm. still happen. Um, yeah. So I'm, which is pretty interesting that they've been able to pull it together, but you know, locally through the New Bedford area, that just didn't happen. Yeah. It's a, it's a huge tradition up there and uh, you know, it's something that you want to do, you know, it's, you know, growing up, you want to put a certain uniform on, you want to be a part of a certain organization, a team, and, you know, and that's, that's the piece, that's, that's the team that everyone, everyone wants to be a part of. Um, so, um, you mentioned earlier about Mickey and the uh, Boston shootout. Um, did that ever come your way? You ever participate? You ever try out? What's funny, it's funny you say that, because I ended up, Currently, I have a, I have an online relationship with a guy through Instagram uh, who, just like you, Charlie, somehow I missed him yeah. um, when I was playing up in Boston. I missed him when I was at Bryant. He was at Providence College at the time. And um, he asked me the same question a couple of months ago. And I had to go back to my dad because I don't know how I missed it. Um, I do know that really the end of my senior year at Fairhaven, I was pretty tapped out. I yeah. didn't play a lot. I was, I had planned and committed to playing some corners with Tavares and I was really, really struggling um, just with motivation. Cause I, I had played a lot the senior year. I took a, t taken a lot out of me and that shootout was that spring, the tryouts. So all those guys that were part of that youth games team, that picture you showed all end up mm -hmm. on, the, on the shootout team. I wow. never looked for an, I never looked for an invite. I don't remember. My father doesn't remember. But I do know that I was done. And what I was doing at the end of my senior year, I was playing for the tennis team at Fairhaven, and that's sort of where my interest was. I just was not – I really, really I, – I don't know why, but it seemed like a switch went off in my head, like, okay, you've done enough. 
done for a little while. And that yeah. was sort of my behavior, you know, the end of my senior year through that summer where I was playing tennis a lot. I was running around with a tennis pro, you know, just playing in different areas and playing different tournaments. Um, and so, you know, that kind of goes back to really where my, my athletic beginnings are is really playing tennis. And um, oh. I sort of walked away from, yeah, I sort of walked away from that when I was young because I wasn't ready for the responsibility of being, you know, a, a somewhat a, you know, an individual. I was more yeah. interested in getting involved with my, with my friends and playing on a team sport. Um, but my dad and I still played from time to time. And that was something I did, you know, off season. Um, but that was really my second love was tennis. Um, and I got, I had a pretty good summer. I won a tennis tournament in New Bedford um, that summer, had a couple of good runs in some other tournaments. Um, but yeah, I never, yeah, it was weird. I never got the invite. I never got the attention that I, I, I should, I didn't pay attention to it. And I should have. And my dad doesn't remember either, but I do, I'm repeating myself here, but I do know I was, emotionally I was pretty much done after my senior year sort of our last game and it was like I said it was like a switch went off and I remember going to play in a tournament with Tavares the, the Waltham tournament and I and, and Charlie I had nothing I just I just wasn't there and I apologized to Jim and yeah. um, I ended up playing another tournament with him I ended up playing in a, I ended up playing in a senior tournament up in Taunton with him and I ended up playing in the open division at the same time so now I'm, I'm, I'm committing myself to playing to two two with two teams and I we lose in this with I lose in the finals with Jim in the tournament, but in the senior in the open division we ended up winning the championship. Um, so that was with some guys that I ended up scrimmaging with later on during the summer a little bit that played at Providence. Uh, Bruce Campbell, Billy Eason, some of the guys that were uh, alumni from Bryant that I ended up playing with, um, which was basically just a pickup game in a, in a grammar school gym um, over the summer, and that was really the only basketball that I was playing. I was you know just kind of just tapped out at the time. Yeah, we, the um, the it that happens, you know. Even with me with football, you know, I thought after high school I would, you know, at least try to get on some team, you know, whether it was walk on or whatever, you know. And and I just didn't want to go to school anymore, and uh, just want to establish a career somewhere. Um, and uh, it was either the U.S. Army or some. You know, one of the services, and uh, almost went to the army, and uh, then the PD called me, and that was that was that's what stopped me from going to college until later on, and then mm -hmm. I did it for a career-wise. But um, the uh, trying to think of here, or, or I lost track of what I was gonna say, Mike. Oh man, um, but the uh, I, it will come to me. I, I think that, um, you know, all in all, we, we, we got to just encourage kids to, to continue to do, you know, the sports thing. Um, but the, the social media and, and just kind of gaming and doing that, it, that's where the interest is. Um, when I went to the camp, a couple of basketball camps this year, um, and I, I still thought the numbers were low, you know, and, uh, it's kind of sad, you know, and, uh, I, I hope, I hope, you know, and I, I know we won't, we won't lose, but in the area, the numbers are getting low, you know, they come and go fluctuate, you know, but I hope the basketball, football, baseball interest stays in this area. Um, 
because it was a great tradition. It was a great tradition for me and you and many, many others. So I hope that we can continue to play for the name in front of our jerseys, which, you know, Mike had said um, during his podcast, you know, play for Fairhaven High School, play for New Bedford High School, play for New Bedford Volk, play for Dartmouth High School, you know, and uh, and just continue to keep that tradition, man. Um, well, so you know, I'm, it's funny. When, when I had gone to Mr. Wilson's court dedication and um, there was a layer of players who were older that were there. My peer group, there wasn't that many of us there that day. And one of the things I talked about with my wife about when we were coming home that afternoon, I said, you know, I said, what ends up happening is those older players ended up, they grew up in that town, they went to school, they married, stayed in that town, got jobs, raised families there. I said, my generation and probably a couple of generations afterwards started to move. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they went different parts of the country and didn't come back home. Yeah. And so I said that was you know, it was pretty eye opening to see that. And I was just having a conversation online with someone the other night about, you know, certain names within different towns are prominent. Right. So in, in for Haven, there were certain names and, you know, this as well as I do through New Bedford. There were certain names that sh that show up during sports. And that's that that theme that existed with those families that state mm -hmm. that they married. They work in those towns. They raise families there. And their children all play through the high schools, you know, through Fairhaven. I recognize names when I look at the newspapers and I see what's going on online. I know I know somebody in that family. I either know their, I know their aunt and I know somebody that's mm -hmm. there. And, um, you know, that exists everywhere. And I think, yeah, that's, that's the thread you start to lose where those kids that move away don't come back and they establish roots someplace else. And that's, I think you start to lose some of that thread that you mentioned about playing for your town, playing for your high school, which was a big deal, you know, to have, yeah, yeah to have that school on the front of your Jersey, that's a big deal. And, sure. um, you know, you, I, you know, when I mentioned to when I mentioned on the podcast with Ronnie and Derek about the families that I get exposed to that are there, that had been there for a long time. And, you know, my, my wife's family had been there a long time. And, um, you know, I was sort of, I'm sort of the guy that comes in from another town to play there and I get wrapped up in the history, just like I got wrapped up in the history at Holy Family. It's the same, it was the same thing. And um, the names that are the same, the history felt the same. Um, and it's a big deal because the towns made it a big deal. You know, those people showed up every time you played someplace, which was a great commitment on their part and they were committed and they had interest. And, you know, those people sought you out at different things that you'd showed up. I showed up at a school play. All of a sudden, I've got some parents in front of me or some fathers talking about their son coming up and playing. And so that level of interest is there. And, and as soon as you have some success, so like when we go to the tournament in 78, I remember sitting in the, you know, practicing in the gym after we won our first round game. And Charlie, we're the only team left. Because mm -hmm. New Bedford High got beaten in the first round, they had some really tough luck. Because, as I mentioned, that was the that was the year during the blizzard, and some of those guys got hurt trying to help their families dig out of their homes. Yeah, they yeah. got hurt. They hurt ankles. They hurt knees. So they so we were the only team left, and we got a lot of publication. We got a lot of notice locally, um, which was fun. It was a lot of fun going through all of that, but. And I mentioned, I asked Scott Ashworth about the following that existed when he went to the tournament, because they went to the finals uh, when he was there. 
yo, that town, and you mentioned the Super Bowls, that town really perked up. And yeah. it was just it sort of kind of sweeps you away about what's going on. And, you know, you've got, what, 6,000 people in the gym and 3,000 of them are from Fahaven. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like, you're kidding yeah. me. And I, yeah. it was not a game, Charlie, that I played at Holy Family or I played at Fairhaven that it's a packed gym. It's a full gym. Yeah. And it, it, you know, we, had tough, we had a tough season at Holy Family. We had great teams and good teams at Fairhaven. Not an empty seat. Mm-hmm. That's great. I, I, I know. I mean, I, I remember the days of New Bedford High School being packed on both sides of the gym, and that was tremendous. Um, that was that was a scary place, though, because that was it was funny because they were sort of displaced because they're a few feet away from the court. But yeah, yeah, when you sort of all of a sudden the noise would start, it started mm-hmm. it sort of echoed through there a little bit, which was a little odd because that was the only gym that was built like that that I played. Yeah. In. It was a little, a little bit strange because you were used to people sitting close to the court. Yeah. Not in that gym because that gym uh, was just so big. Yeah, they had uh, they knew what they were doing uh, because of the population that was going in there. It wasn't how the actual main gym looked. It was we need more more hoops, more basketball, more volleyball nets because we're going to have thousands of kids, you know, 5,000, 4,000 kids in there. Uh, throughout the day, you know, and uh, so, you know, I understand that you had those slide away bleachers, you know, and mm-hmm. un- away from those bleachers was, was actually a basketball court. So they really mm-hmm. needed it. And, and it kind of explains why, you know, they did hidden away, which, uh, you know, I like the closed gyms. I like the, the gyms where the people are right there. I, I love that. It's just a, it's just a good feeling. Um, you know, Mike, the I, to play in was actually at Vogue Tech uh, yeah, because it was one exactly. side and there was nothing on the other side. So yeah. you know, just trying to have a good shooting background to try to find the rim was really difficult in those big gyms mm-hmm. because yeah. and, the, and the acoustics in there were weird. So, yeah, it was those things where you, you get used to it the number of times you play there. But the first time through, you're like, wow, this is really difficult because we're not I'm not used to this. Yeah, I actually like the seats um behind the backboards in any gym you know when i get to a gym like that i mean oh, i mean regardless of the age of the gym when the when the seats are behind that backboard and you know, it, it just just a good feeling you know um mike are you comfortable talking about your uh your book you want to talk about that and yeah. we got about yeah. 10 minutes you know so i want to sure. i just want to make sure that it's okay by you yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, so per your encouragement and some others, um, I have proceeded. Um, I had breakfast with my dad today, and that was that was 90% of our conversation today. Um, and challenges that exist through this are uh, quite interesting. So I have had to get up to speed on liabilities and, and mm-hmm. uh, image and likeness and those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of building a foundation to the story of all of all of this. Um, so I've committed myself to certain number of certain time, certain pages. Um, how do I go about getting, you know, so I've reached out, I had gone through the series of, okay, do I find a ghostwriter? Mm-hmm. How do I find it? How do I do all this stuff? So I'm doing a lot of it on my own right now. It's all of my own. Um, so I think, what did I say? I'm 20 something yeah. pages in over, you know, mm-hmm. 10,000 words in. 
Um, I've got to start spending more time doing this because I found trying to build foundations to some of this to be really, really tough to think about because, you know, when I've, I've tried to go back to the podcast that we've done, Charlie, and I've looked at it, it's okay. Those are really condensed conversations. I need to expand those conversations on in words, mm -hmm. you know, yep. down on, get it down into, into some format. So that's been a bit challenging. Um, cause I never, I've never done this before. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's now October 1st. Um, I need to finish this and somehow find an editor. I want to get this done before the first of the year. Awesome. It, so, it's a, it's a great feeling and, you know, trial and error is good too. I just want to let you know, you know, trial and error is, is always good because, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's going to be a better story throughout the book. As you go through the trial and error, like I was going through, you know, I made a mistake and boom, as the book was going on, I, I would continue to get much, much better at it, you know, and it, it so, and who knows, you know, I thought I was only going to do one book. Guess what? It's at 15 now. So, you know, and I, I know you, your intellect, you need to continue to do what you're doing as far as this book and maybe future other books, because, you know, that history that you have is, um, needs to be shared. And, and actually, you know what? People coming up in your family, you know, later on need to read some of your stories and, uh, can pass it on because it, it's funny it, because my father my father asked me today so he said is this a book about you is this a book about your basketball stories is this about the people around your stories i said it's all of it yeah i said it's all of it. and i said you know i said i haven't um you know as i look to expand some of our conversations charlie on and just getting it to document in some sort of level of documentation um has brought up a, a lot of different feelings about and trying to remember one of the things I'm, I'm having a challenge with is, okay, trying to remember what I was thinking and what I was like at a 16-year-old or a 15-year-old as opposed mm -hmm. to me trying to interpret it today. So that's been yeah. a bit tricky. Um, but, you know, there are some things that have come out that, you know, and I, I we didn't go over this when, when Jimmy Colbert was on, but he and I had some pretty honest conversations about that time. And that time was tricky for me. And it, yeah. was, it was difficult for some of those players – sort of the same conversation over am I walking in and taking minutes from people mm -hmm. um, and opportunities from people um, and you know not being naive enough because I had I had gone through some of that those kind of challenges when I was in junior high because I'm coming to the junior high as a seventh grader and I'm starting as a seventh grader I'm the leading scorer as a seventh grader and the freshmen that were there were not having it you know, it was really, really hard for them to see what was going on. But I had a coach, you know, Ronnie Hall, Mr. Hall, who had been there for a long time. You know, he had the courage enough to do to put me in and never take me out. And Good. as difficult as I, I had difficult games, I had difficult situations. I was learning on the fly like it seemed to be for a long time. And um, so it's those challenges that I have to kind of kind of go back to. And some of those are difficult to remember because it was those were those are hard times for a really young kid and a young athlete going through that. And, you know, some of the challenges that existed in my family at the time was trying to help me through that because mm -hmm. it was all new to, to us. And it wasn't just me. It was us. You know, yeah. it was it was all of us were involved with this and all were committed to this, which got to be really hard sometimes. And trying to, get, and this was sort of the conversation I had with my dad today, and he doesn't remember a lot of it. I mean, he just doesn't because it's not his; it's mine. 
But when yeah. I mentioned certain things to him, he, he remembers what's really what was important at the time and how difficult it was. And it's just now starting to translate and trying to dust off some of that stuff and start to document it, which has been a little bit challenging for me to go back. Well, just, you know, it is what it is. And if it's uh, if it's forgotten memories or, or you know, it just doesn't get in the book. But there's so many other things that you can you could, uh, you know, you can move on to and don't don't worry about it. Just move on, you know, and uh, and, and later on, something might come up and it, it kind of, you know, may help you with those particular situations but it's just not going to be in a book you know and don't 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 sweat it because i guarantee you two-thirds of what you're going to come up with um and maybe you want you know 100 percent of, of everything that you've been thinking about you know and you only get two-thirds of it but two-thirds of it is going to be a magnificent book and i just want to let you know any percentage that you come up with for this book is definitely going to be a good read i feel it i know it and uh, I, I can't wait until it's done. I'll be the first one in line. Thank you for that. I want to yeah. tell one story before we break, though, because I've been holding this story for a bit. And this this goes sure. to our first, I think, one of our first communications. So this is, you had Wayne Hamlet on, and you yes. know Wayne. Yep. So my relationship with Wayne goes back to, I'm in eighth grade. No, it's the summer before I go to Holy Family. And my dad knew him and he knew what kind of athlete Wayne was. He knew where he was coaching. So one day Wayne shows up in my driveway and decides that he's now a football player playing basketball and really <laughs> takes it to me physically. So um, flash forward two days after that, I am shooting baskets in the New Bedford High School gym because I'm getting ready to go work out with New Bedford High School football team and lift weights yep. and do agility drills and do sprinting, and do long-distance running. So I meet uh, Coach Soares. Yep. I meet Coach McPherson. Mm -hmm. And they, all of them, teasing me. How come you're not coming to New Bedford? Why are you going to Holy Family? You know, you shouldn't be here. You shouldn't be working <laughs> out with all guys. So I've never lifted weights before. I'm really good at agility drills. I can, uh, distance running, I'm already doing that on my own. So we're running around the tennis courts up around that whole block. I'm doing really well there. The sprinting. I'm pretty quick, so I'm good there, but boy, am I really feeling it lifting. Now, mm -hmm. I'm no great specimen going into Holy Family. I'm still a skinny kid. Yeah. But it was that relationship with, with Wayne that goes on for years, right? So he ends up moving down the street from my grandmother, who lived on Stone Street, right over near the hospital. Yeah. And he lived on the corner of Grape and Stone. So when I would visit my grandmother, which I would do regularly, I would see him now and again. And I saw his family grow um, with his daughters and his children. Wow. Um, hey, Mike, I'm, so, I'm sorry to, I, I mean, my wife probably knows your grandmother. That's where she, she, she had her mom and uh, dad and, and her, they had a house on Stone Street. Really? So she was yeah. 26 Stone Street. So that was Lillian Senna. Mm, let me see. I can't, I don't know. I can't. I can't remember the number, but I'll get back to you on that. Sorry to interrupt your story. That's okay. So one one quick thing about Wayne. So when I'm playing my first game for Holy Family, we go to Taunton and we lose in double overtime. And this is, gets to a longer story I know we don't have time for. But I ended up getting sick in the second half of that game. Really sick. And um, I go to school the next day. Mr. Briga throws me out of practice. 
because I'm coughing and I'm sick. So I go home and I'm in bed and my family that night was supposed to have a Christmas party. So all my friends are showing up, all their friends are showing up and Wayne shows up and mm -hmm. no one's coming to see me in my room. I'm in my room with a temperature of whatever and I'm a mess. And my dad brought Wayne up and he's standing at the door and he's kind of looking at me and um, he heard how I played with my first game with Holy Family and um, was very, very encouraging. Um, so, you know, Wayne plays a big part in, you know, me starting to be aware of how to take care of my body. My father shows up a few days, you know, a few weeks after we go to New Bedford High School, he shows up with weights on lifting weights in the solid just for some, you know, basic core strength and just strength to try to get me through playing a varsity sport, a division one sport. And I'm still, you know, I'm still young. I'm 16 years old at that time. As mm -hmm. you know, So um, that's my relationship with Wayne, which goes way back and just a really good guy. Um, always supportive. Um, my dad still asks about him every now and again, if I'd seen him, if I'd heard from him, heard about him. And I mentioned your podcast that he was on. Um, but so that's my history with Wayne. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a great, great guy. I'm glad I had a, a year to um, play under him, you know, and, uh, and then later on coach for him for uh, a few years. And, um, Great, great experiences, a great man, and definitely uh, a mentor, a go-to guy. You know, if I need him, I definitely, you know, reach out to him, and I could talk to him about anything. So, but uh, he's a great dude, and he's, he's touched thousands of people's lives. So, the uh, Michael, we got to do this again. Um, there's many okay. things, many, many things we talked about, you know, along with you, your teammates and, and, and kind of having a group thing, you know, I still, that's still open to you guys. And, uh, uh, at any point, you know, in, in, and then later on, you know, when your uh, when your book is done, guess what? We definitely want to have you on this podcast talking about your book and, uh, and any kind of book signing and, uh. And I forgot about your T-shirt this week, so I'll get that to you. Oh, um, okay, thanks. And I, I'm sorry for the delay, but uh, well, it's not—it's not the fact you haven't been busy, Charlie. Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but uh, you know, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, you know, Fridays. But hey, I love it. Keeps me, uh, keeps me revolving. Keeps me uh, connected with the community. And I, I got some good friends like you that, um, thanks to this podcast, you know, we communicate what, you know, two, three times a week. And, uh, you know, I'm glad you were on again. Thanks, Charlie. Appreciate it. Any support I can give you, you let me know. And, um, I'll certainly do whatever I can from my end. All right. And, uh, can't wait. Can't wait to see that book. Keep typing, uh, paragraph or two a day, uh, goes a long way, you know. I hear you. All right. Great <laughs> right, job. You're the best, man. Take care. Take care. Take care. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. One of my favorite guests, Mike's Mayo, definitely uh, for Haven's finest in my eyes. I definitely like um, listening to him. And when he does come up with that book, when it's all said and done, I definitely will be in line and it will be read from cover to cover and then put on my bookshelf. Uh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, who knows? It might be a good movie too. So thank you for joining me on the really Charlie podcast here on Streamyard. 
Facebook, Anchor, Spotify, and YouTube. I really appreciate all your support, constant support. Um, the next week or so, two weeks, I will have some some uh, great guests from the Indie Collaborative, which is a bunch of different musicians, different genres, and uh, they're going to be coming on periodically. I have Roberta Lamb, I have uh, Chara Shuri, and uh, it's going to be nice next week. It'll be Wednesday and next Saturday, so I can't wait to have them on here. Um, the Indie Collaborative is, is just getting a bunch of musicians together and collaborating and, and playing one after another. It's really, really um, bringing a, 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 a live concert, you know, and, uh, and a good network of people. And they're from all over the place, all over the country. Um, and I met a few this past uh, month in uh, Kingston. Rhode Island, um, and they were from Texas and California and uh, Rhode Island, uh, New Jersey, New York. It just went on and on. So um, so to my indie collaborative group out there, keep up the good work. It's a great thing that you're doing, and you are definitely invited to the Really Charlie podcast any chance you get. Once again, thank you, Mike. I love you, brother. You keep up the good work and uh, keep those pages rolling in that book. And we'll talk about it later. So I'll see you guys next week, next Wednesday. With Roberta Lamb, nice vocalist, instrumentist. Uh, she's definitely a good thing. Uh, all right. Take care. God bless. Be blessed and be well. Take care, y'all.